Welcome to the Ether. Today is Monday, September 12th, 2022. Today on the Ether, the Page Dow Show with Epic Dylan, CD Vagabond, and Rihanna Morgan. Let's take a listen. Yeah, everyone, uh, whether you're listening live to us now and you're in the audience or if you're going to listen in later and hear this, we have decided to do something considerably different with the Page Dow community spaces this week. As opposed to just kind of having like an open mic where everybody comes and talks about their projects, which, um, you know, uh, some folks did, some folks didn't. You know, I think a lot of people did listen. Um, so the, the, the project was cool, um, but we're going to make it actually even cooler and more engaging and more entertaining. And so for this purpose, I've been joined by my two new co-hosts, CD and Rihanna. Um, I'm unable to join with my personal profile today, though, because I rugged myself on Twitter. Womp, womp. Womp, womp. <laughs> yeah, but we've got a little bit of news from around the page. Uh, you know, still doing the grind. We're building stuff, raising some money. Um, we're working on the thing, you know. And we are also, you know, just seeing some big progress. And so it's really nice to uh, to be able to announce that yesterday, actually late last night, there was the first sale of an NFT book on the ReadMe collection for half an ETH. Uh, this is the biggest ReadMe book sale to date, y'all. Like, so excited to be able to say that. Like, it, it, that one sale took our total volume for the collection from 0.6 Ethereum all the way up to 1.1 Ethereum. So we crossed Yee. that one ETH. <laughs> yeah, volume barrier. Very, very excited to say that. But um, yeah, there's there's a lot going on in the we- in the world this week. Um, do you guys want to uh, take the mic? How about Dylan? Since you are not showing up as you, how about you introduce yourself real quick? Oh, touche! That's not a bad idea. Yeah, my name is uh, Thomas Dylan Daniel. I am a uh, former philosophy professor, former biotech researcher, now Web three builder, working on a new industry for the Web three environment that'll allow people to publish their books and other written content to the blockchain. Um, For that purpose, I've been, let's see, I I guess I've been doing R&D in this direction um, for, I mean, it's getting real close to three years at this point. Really unbelievable. I I was introduced to the space by the team at Synth and by the community at Synth. And really this project has grown out of Synth uh, to some very, very large extent. So it's amazing to see, you know, how much just a couple of blog posts, you know, and, and kind of some thoughts and a few podcasts have kind of snowballed and created this larger ecosystem that is very much about to become a real thing. So I'm excited to be here. I wish I could be here as my personal profile, but, you know, what can you do? <laughs> Thank you, Rihanna. Um, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself? 
Sure, sure. Well, let's see. I've been working with CD and Dylan for a little while now. Um, It feels like we've been doing this a long time because I think that we work very well together and it's so exciting to be able to, to share this space with you. So by way of introduction for myself, I'm Rihanna Morgan. I am currently a Web 2 author transitioning to Web 3. I'm a romance novelist. I write romantic suspense, and my next full length I'm thinking will be a fantasy. So, and I intend to uh, work with Paige Dow and get that going and publish through them. And so I'm super excited to do that, and I'm super excited to meet all of you. And um, so thank you, CD and Dylan, for welcoming me so nicely and including me in all of this. It's so nice. Uh, thank to you, Ria. I'm C.D. Vagabond. I am the editor and publisher of Vagabond Magazine, the first Web3 readable magazine. Uh, As far as we know, I don't think anybody else has done that yet. And uh, super, super happy to be here. I've been involved with Paige Dow uh, pretty close from the beginning, I think. Uh, And I just feel like the possibilities of Web3, especially for writers and creatives, are so underrepresented in the media and so astounding when you start to look at the reality of the situation. I'm super excited to be here and super excited to be co-hosting with you, Rihanna, and with you, Dylan. Um, I've heard both of your voices, both in print and on the air, and uh, I love it. I love that we have this show, and I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Yes, it is. All right. Well, so um, so unlike usual, folks, we, we actually have a bit of a game plan for you today. We, we started off with just a little bit of introductions. Um, we, we want people to understand what the page DAO is and why we're all doing this. I think the reason is fairly simple. It's easier to monetize content in Web3. Plus, you get a better, you know, more direct relationship with your audience as a writer. So readers dig it because, you know, the the author is just right there and authors dig it because they can, you know, really see in real time, like kind of what the market response is if they do X, Y, Z. And and so that's all we'll say about the technology for now. We've got um, we've got a really robust moment in history that's, you know, kind of been going on here with, um, you know, just the, the breakout of Web3 really starting up. I mean, we're we're seeing so much adoption just. You know, uh, even with big technology companies like Facebook that are partnering with like Flow Labs, and then there's just so much going on around the industry and in society that like, I mean, it's just a really ripe moment with lots and lots of opportunity for us to step up and uh, and do our thing, right? It's exciting to be here. I'm very happy. Yeah, me too. And, you know, one of the things about Web3 right now that is just so exciting for me is it's creating all of these amazing collaborative opportunities that didn't exist before, where the fans of a particular genre or of a book or of a story or of a world that someone creates, the fans can actually have a say in shaping that world and creating that world. You know, um, I've been following a lot of these projects that are, you know, lore based. And basically, they are creating new worlds collectively, which is so, so exciting. You know, uh, this week, I've, I've contributed a little bit to Nuclear Nerds and to uh, Huxley, which has their, their Huxley humans. They're, they're, if you haven't seen those, get on there and check out on Twitter. Uh, just hashtag Huxley humans. And you can see like the backstories. There's like 3,000 of these. And they can all write their own stories based loosely on the lore and the and the mythology that Ben Morrow has created for the Huxley comic. Um, 
It's really cool stuff. And and there's so many more. In fact, I see E.R. Donaldson is here. And he and I later are going to be talking about taking a world that I created, a country I created called Sultanate of Baboob, and potentially doing something with that along those same lines. So super exciting to see you here, ER. Hopefully we can get you up on the stage a little bit later as well. And uh, whoopee! (laughs) Whoopee! (laughs) (laughs) Well, and so I'm going to jump in with what I'm most excited about with Web3 and publishing in Web3 and being part of this um, organization with you all is the fact that as a writer, and I've been a writer for a very long time. I am a traditionally published writer, but I have so, and I have so many writer friends and so many writer colleagues who are so discouraged with the current state of publishing. There are so many stories out there that need to get to readers. And there are so, so many great things that readers and writers can interact with and giving them the possibility of an opportunity of having their work just straight from their mind and their heart directly to their reader, who there are so many of us who are so excited to be able to say, oh yeah, I published this, it's on the blockchain, you can zoom in, you can grab it, you can read it, you can share it around, and um, that there's no gatekeeper. The only gatekeeper that exists is um, motivation, I guess, and getting it written and getting it out there. And, 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 but there's no agent, there's no publisher saying, nope, you don't get to come in. And I can't tell you how many writers I've spoken with recently and shared this information with. They're so excited about this possibility. And so it's just mind boggling that of all of the things that you can do, you can bring in artists, you can bring in writers, you can bring in musicians, you know, it's sort of like a renaissance of, of culture and art together in this process. And so it's just like, I get so excited. Sometimes I literally cannot sleep that I'm so energized and ready to go. So thank you all for being here. (laughs) Oh, I I know how that feels, Rihanna. While you're talking, I went ahead and uh, threw some tweets into the nest. If anybody wants to have a peep, uh, the first one is the page Dow pin tweet, which is just exactly how you as an author can get involved and, and do this wonderful thing that Rihanna is talking about where you can make your book and nobody's going to tell you no. Um, (laughs) There are maybe things that, that we don't want people to mint, but, uh, Thus far, we haven't run into that issue yet, so uh, we'll cross that bridge as we come to it. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, and this, this this uses our paged out uh, proprietary tech stack, the Readme Books NFT Book Mentor, uh, which is currently in beta. So we're we're kind of figuring it all out. If if you want to use it, the steps are you know real simple. You just buy the membership NFT, um, and then that allows you to mint your book to the to the collection and it shows up on OpenSea, and you get a uri you can take wherever you want it's pretty cool very cool yeah it looks like cd got rugged again let's see are you a speaker again sir <laughs> all right i guess uh, hey what about now okay yeah you know what um i wanted to i, I keep getting rugged you guys i apologize i'm here in hawaii and uh, my connection's not always the best but aloha to everybody Um, I wanted to talk to you and Rihanna a little bit about the fact that we're all published authors. I think all three of us went through uh, traditional publishing, um, which my first book, I was traditionally published. And 
I was so disappointed with the outcome of that. You know, they, they basically told I me, know that they told me, you have to do all the marketing. You have to do all the legwork. You need to sell it to your friends and families. Uh, we're going to take like 90% of the profits and you're going to, you know, pay back your advance eventually. And, uh, and, you know, I didn't make much. So what has been you guys experience with the traditional publishing? I want to ask that. Can we start with Rihanna? Oh, sure. Sure. Uh, very similar. Very similar. I was, I'm very lucky to be um, part of a publishing house that huh, is really pretty positive and really pretty upbeat for their writers. Cause I, I you know, and I don't want to be disparaging towards them. Um, but I have to say that that is definitely the, the theme of what I, I have heard and what I have done. And I'm lucky to be able to be, um, in a position where I can do that kind of thing. But there are a lot of writers who, you know, they put a lot of time and a lot of effort and they invest immense amount of time and money to get their book to production and then turn around and they can't write the next book because they're so busy um, marketing and, and all of that with not really any backup. And so from the publisher themselves and, um, so I just really think that the writing community in Twitter, the writing community in uh, Instagram and all, and all of that, you know, we sort of all come together to sort of, you know, rising tides, raise, you know, with all boats or whatever that saying is, you know, that makes such good sense. And and so but yeah, definitely that is the that is the theme of what I heard as well. Yeah, right on. Yeah. Rising tide definitely does uh, lift all boats. I, I think that's a, a great saying. I, I love that. Um, and, and just to, to, to kind of chime in and, and say about my publishing background, I've had roughly the same experience that, that y'all have both had. Um, I, my, my one traditionally published uh, book wa was Formal Dialectics, which is no longer traditionally published. I actually uh, recently um, pretty much just torched the publishing agreement for that book. And the reason was that they really didn't want me to publish it as an NFT, but it hadn't garnered all that many sales. Um, and, and so I just really didn't feel very happy with the arrangement that we had. And then I thought to myself, well, you know, I'm probably not giving much up if I just give the book away for free and let everybody in the world read it and let the people who like it the most, you know, come and collect it. And, and so I've got it on OpenSea right now, and it's on a bonding curve. Um, so, you know, the first person to buy it, you know, gets to buy it for 0.2. The next person comes in, and I think it costs 0.3 to get the next one, and so on and so forth. Um, but but I just really want to kind of kind of reiterate what Rihanna's point was a second ago and say, you know, it's Web3. Um, you know, you're still accountable to make your work sell. Um, but at this point, you are part of a community. You have a DAO. You can experiment. You can talk to people. You can ask for things that don't exist yet to get built. And maybe they will, maybe they won't. Um, but basically, the, the difference is that whereas in the traditional publishing industry, you go in and it's kind of like this competitive free-for-all with everybody trying to be the loudest voice in the room and only one or two people winning. Um, now I think we can speak more together and we can we can pick each other up in a way that we weren't really able to do successfully before. Um, and, and so this looks like a number of different things. Most of those are pretty techy. Um, sum it up here and just say that the uh, 
you know, uh, the page now is here for writers. We were founded by writers. Um, we've got everything from struggling writers to learning writers um, to New York Times bestselling authors in the Dow. And we, we've got publishing people in. And, and it's just really great to collaborate with everybody and find the best way forward on all these different fronts. You know, it's kind of amazing. I mean, I did the same thing, Dylan. As soon as I was able, I pulled my, uh, my copyright um, and like basically burned my contract and then I self-published and I've self-published ever since. But it's just recently that I learned that, you know, something like 96% of the books that are submitted, and it's probably higher than that, uh, never even get read by an editor. Uh, um, the majority of them never even get read by a, a, an editor. And that's to me just astounding. That's one of the, the things of Web3. Like how many, how many Lord of the Rings are, are, have we missed because somebody didn't, you know, didn't read the manuscript of the Silmarillion or the Lord of the Rings? How many, um, you know, how many beautiful, I mean, Charles Dickens, I didn't realize this. Charles Dickens had to self-publish A Tale of Two Cities because the publishers in his day said it wasn't really a good enough story to um, to get out to the public. That blows my mind. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah, the, history is littered with this stuff, by the way. Um, there, there was a uh, one of the mathematicians, uh, Galois, who, who came up with set theory, actually, like, died in the gutter of France, you know? And then the problem wasn't that he wasn't brilliant, because, I mean, he was one of the founders of the most, you know, one of the most consequential schools of mathematics to, you know, even to this day, right? Um, but But there's been throughout human history like this informational bottleneck you know where somebody comes in they have a great new idea but nobody understands how that links up to the you know rest of human knowledge and so people get left behind and they get left out and they they have a hard time supporting themselves financially even though they're really smart people and they're good people you know um and, and so what we see with web3 i would argue in publishing is an opportunity to start to reverse that trend and to start to um, allow intellectuals to create a network that can support one another. Um, you know what I mean? And that's just like the craziest thing. because It's like what the university system was supposed to be to some extent. <laughs> right, right. Well, what you said really resonated with me about um, other authors, like who 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 is slipping through the cracks of history here, literary history, you know, authors, you know, um, that are, you know, Stephen King-like or, um, you know, Charles Dickens and, and um, you know, just the amazing people who we've known through history. Well, you know, that that talent didn't just dissipate. It didn't disappear. And so it's it is kind of uh, tragic if you think about it a little bit that that there have been so many people through time that have really wanted to be part of the world that they love so much, but they can't get in. And Web3 really allows them to get in <laughs> and to be part of it and and reach their readers and that community and and really immerse themselves in the the world that they love so much. That's amazing. So that raises the question, what are you guys reading and what are you writing right now? Um, for, for myself, uh, I'm reading a, a book. It's called, funny enough, I, I collect books that have vagabond in the cover. So in 2020, there was a there was a book called Vagabond by Hao Jing Fang, translated by Ken Liu here in the US. And uh, it's amazing. It's about basically it's about media. And it's about how um, the internet basically is changing society. But it's a science fiction book set on Mars and Earth. Um, so that's what I'm reading right now. And what I'm writing right now is sort of a fun, um, a fun 
I guess you could say personal mythology. I'm, I'm mythologizing my own, um, my own history. And that's, that's just sort of fun. I don't expect to do anything particular with that, but it's fun to be writing. Now, what about you guys? Hey, just don't call it a memoir. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess I'll jump in and and go next. Uh, I'm I'm rereading my favorite philosophy book, which is called the philosophy of walking. And it's by Frederick gross. And there's just this, um, I don't know. There's this peacefulness to the way this man's mind works that like, I, I just really enjoy. So I'm really taking my time and kind of going back through that. Cause honestly, I don't have just a ton of time to sit around reading other stuff because what I'm writing is best described as like a web of, you know, various different content. We've got grants, we, we've got content marketing stuff. Um, there's a white paper pinging around in there somewhere, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, just just like a pitch deck and like just so many things like I, I won't even bore you guys to death by just listing them all. <laughs> what are you reading, Rihanna? Well, I am reading uh, Historical Pirate Romance by an author, and I'm not certain how to pronounce her first name. I think it's Raelle Logan. Um, and I just I just picked it up last night and I'm so excited. Um, her book, her work seems so awesome. I think she's an independently published author. And, um, yeah, I haven't read anything by her before, so I don't know anything about it, but, you know, you can definitely find her on Twitter at, uh, Raylogan.1 and her, um, graphics are amazing. (laughs) I can say that with no question at all. Um, and so once a month, I like to pick somebody new that I haven't read before. And so she's, she's, she is who that is this month. And then what I'm working on is a secret. <laughs> um, but I can tell you that will it will be uh, a literary NFT. Ooh, exciting. Wait, wait, is that it? <laughs> go on, go on. What no, I'm not going to go on. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to, go <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to save Rihanna here. I, there's a page from this book, Vagabonds that I'm reading that I just yeah. want to read you guys. Um, I want to read you guys these two paragraphs. I feel like they're so powerful. And, you know, this Excellent. is a Chinese author writing about the future 200 years from now. But um, basically, he says, you are the web. This was the heart of the IP economy. Everyone contributed their knowledge and the globe was interconnected into a web so that the endless commercial opportunities could be born from the exchange of knowledge. In this web of commerce, even a single sentence or a stray thought could turn into a whole array of products. Trade on this web of knowledge was a revolution, a spring without a source, a business that had effectively zero cost and nearly infinite returns. Um, and I'll stop there, but that's the kind of thing that this guy's throwing out in this. And it's, it's astounding. I mean, he's like wow. predicting web three and where it will go in terms of like um, the economy and, and the worldview that we live in. Um, this is why I read sci-fi. Wow. Oh, that's fascinating. That is amazing. So I was part of a, that made me think of, um, I'm part of Time Magazine, Time Pieces, and they have a book club every every couple of weeks, and they just got finished reading Ready, Ready Player One, and I've been so busy I wasn't able to read the book with them, but I've seen the movie multiple times. I love that movie. Have you guys seen that movie, Ready Player One? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it cool? <laughs> so yeah, cool. I mean, I'm, I'm an '80s and '90s kid, so it it totally spoke to you know my entire adolescence. Oh yeah, me too. Me too. I'm a little older than the '80s and '90s kid, um, but yep, 
it was a, it's an it's a, an amazing show and i i really like how the the um sense of comfort from the past is being try is trying to be drawn into the future and i feel like that there's lots of times as writers that we're trying to capture that those kinds of moments because those visceral moments really speak to readers and what well, really speak to me as a reader myself. And so I just think that 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 when I talk about Web3, that's the movie or the piece of literature that I bring up. How come that's where your mind goes? Um, the comfort of the past. Yeah, it's, that's really fascinating. I, I think about this stuff in terms of philosophy, and I, I don't want to get like too heavy into that <laughs> side of things for you right now. But um, there, there's basically like a philosophical movement called uh what is it? I guess postmodern hyperrealism, and the idea is that like people have a lot of anxiety about where technology is taking us because we can't really see it. <laughs> you know, we can look at the past, and a lot of people like to romanticize the past because you know it's it's kind of easier to distill what all is happening. Um, but there's this this question of of what's the relationship between the virtual and the real, and and like. I don't know, maybe this is me being kind of a crackpot or whatever, but um, <laughs> in my philosophical opinion, what, what's happening with Web3 is that we're actually seeing that the virtual collapses back into the real. And so it's really interesting to, to hear about, um, you know, like sort of this this comfort that, that we're projecting into the future now, because I think that actually does signify like a, a significant shift um, in, in pop culture attitudes, just generally towards technology. And, and I just love that. And I, I want to see that grow. Well, great. I didn't know that I was being philosophical. <laughs> <laughs> Yay uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, I'm not trying to be overwhelming or anything. I, I just think, uh, you know, like this power of Web3 to bring comfort to like the, the world of technology is, is, you know, that's exactly kind of what drew me in. Um, and, and so it's cool. Yeah. Well, well and I think it really um, gives people the opportunity to be um, in control as much as anybody can be in control of anything. That's also another philosophical point, but in control of their own destiny, like um, you're able to make choices and who you're part of and what you're part of and and what things that you devote time and energy toward without the overselling of commerce if that makes any sense no i, I completely sense. agree yeah i would i would say that makes total sense i mean that tends to be the problem right with the traditional publishing industry is the fact that they are looking for the next million seller book and ignoring everything else hey and by the way i just want you guys to know that i do have a uh, hardback copy of, of this amazing philosophy book called and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty great book. You can get a hold of a copy. I recommend that you get it. What's the name of it? Uh, Formal Dialectics. Nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's pretty good, man. It's it's a tough <laughs> read, but but when you get into it, it's pretty amazing. Um, it sounds at, at the different ways. The different ways that we uh, that we basically view reality and speak about it. I would say. Interesting. Interesting. Well, maybe that'll be the next book I read next month. The new author. I read. Nice. 
Yeah, it's free to read on Readme now, so uh, so everybody can go scope it out if they want to. It it hasn't sold a million copies, but it has sold over a hundred. So I mean, it wow. does something. Huh? <laughs> excellent, excellent, excellent. Yeah, so so I'm watching the uh, the House of the Dragon right now. Are you guys watching that at all? No. I oh, am, really? and I watched last night, and I'm so glad that I did not have my 11 year old watching with me. <gasps> Oh like, no! Wow, it was so um, so very adult, but it's good. Yeah, I'm excellent, I'm, I'm excellent. enjoying it. What do you think, Dylan? Well, personally, I'm a fan. You know, I mean, I, I think it's uh, it's it's taking things to like a whole new level in terms of like just the the gnarliness of like sort of what they're trying to say about you know people and the way that things were back then and stuff. You know, in this fantasy world and just where like all this um this craziness that we know as game of thrones came from and you know i'm one of these guys that really likes to try to connect the dots everywhere and so i, I really enjoy prequels i'm a, i'm actually watching the uh basically the silmarillion adaptation that, that elon musk hates so much right now too and i also like that so I, I don't know if I'm just not a good critic of my sci-fi now or, uh, or or maybe if there's just some great content coming out that I just get to love and everybody gets to love, right? Okay, so I'm, I'm going to take issue a little bit. First of all, Elon Musk, who cares? <laughs> and, right, and, and, second, um, and second, I, I always found that the best fantasy and science fiction, including Tolkien's um, and George R.R. R. Martin's, tends to be a critique of society without being a critique of society. So they tell us things about ourselves without necessarily throwing it in our face. Um, the problem that I'm having with House of Dragons so far is I'm not necessarily seeing any sort of analogous um, connection between the world we live in and the world that they're portraying. And, and so there's a little bit of a disconnect for me there. Um, whereas I, I do think with the Rings of Power, uh, they're doing a pretty good job of that. Like uh, they're actually sort of showing that there's like a brewing um, evil that that's rising up and people are denying it, but that it's there. And I think that there's a lot of um, simile that can be drawn into that. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Am I missing something on house of dragon Dylan? Oh dude. Yeah. I'll, I'll push back on that for real. I, I would say that honestly, man, like the, the whole thing that drew me into Martin in the first place, because I, I was reading him back before like book four came out or whatever, you know, like I, I found out, I think the first three were out and I like picked them up and devoured them in like, you know, a week or something crazy because it was back in college and I just was really motivated to read a lot all the time. And, you know, so, so fiction was easier to read than the stuff I was reading. And it was just like a really pleasant, like kind of pastime. But the thing that pulled me in despite what I was studying, not having anything to do with fiction. And, you know, I mean, like, yeah, dragons aren't really in the world. And, you know, we don't have jousts and tournaments. And, you know, people don't have to go break each other's heads to, like, become more popular now. So, so like, I, I get that. You know, like, maybe the analogy isn't, like, completely direct. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it, it, it resembles um, – I, I don't know. I, I would say that the way that the people in that society treat each other – is sort of what is being critiqued there. You know, uh, I read a review of one of the early books, and tell me if you agree with this or not, uh, but they, they they characterized George Martin's view of the way that human societies operate as an amoral, which I thought was just absolutely a fascinating read. 
because in in Tolkien we have like this this moralization, right? Like there's the evil, and the evil's clear, and it's easy to recognize the evil. But in Martin, it's a lot more kind of removed from view, you know. And a lot of the evil is just that people are dicks to each other for no reason, right? <laughs> oh, that definitely makes sense. Um, I mean, I I can see that George, you know, um, and maybe the other thing George R. R. Martin is. Uh, addressing and, and and I don't know I don't know about this but um but I read recently that the number one category on Pornhub is incest porn um and I found that to be pretty hard to believe but um apparently that is true in the U.S. and um you know I know that House of Dragon and George R.R. R. Martin that's a, that's sort of a big recurring theme that happens there maybe yeah, that. that is risque to get at in some fiction. What, what do you think, though, Rihanna? Um, I, I haven't heard from you in a minute. Well, and so I am a George R.R. R. Martin fan, and I'm also a Tolkien fan. Um, and so I really feel like that with Tolkien, the mythology that he created can definitely be mirrored in humanity and in society. And I think that he does, um, especially for the time that he wrote, he does make commentary on the time. and. Um, with George R. R. Martin, I think his is a little is a little deeper. Um, you have to dig a little deeper in the to try to find, find to form the metaphor or the motif for what what he's talking about. But I definitely think that the that the um, the thing that is most evident with his work is family family um, dissonance and um, how that can impact the the close world and the expanded world and so those kinds of conflict that kind of conflict is can really speak to people who have uh family struggles or family challenges where they feel like this obligation to be part of it but not necessarily know how to get outside of that toxicity and so i just always um when I'm thinking about or, or reading his work, that's what I think of. I'm like, wow, this really has a, uh, uh, says a lot about family and what family thinks family should be and that toxicity that sometimes comes with that. And then if you take that as an overlay and you put that on society, how those interactions get really rough and that, that struggle can be really big. Um, anyway, but, and I don't always feel a lot of hope, hope <laughs> with, uh, George R. R. Martin's work that I do with Tolkien. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, like you, you, at the Tolkien in the, in the Tolkien works, you get like the uh, the nice wrap up at the end, and the good guys win, and mm-hmm. and, and yeah, like you know, like things kind of reduce back down, and and there's like kind of the happy ending. But I mean, even with like uh, kind of the the badness, <laughs> um, I guess with which like the the Game of Thrones like finale was executed. I mean. Nobody was a fan of that, I guess. Um, but I don't know. I, I think I think there is like kind of this ambiguity that appears, you know, in, in Martin. And, and I would say that that's like attractive to me. So I guess maybe we can uh, we can all agree to love all of our fantasy for different reasons and uh, and enjoy them as they apply to us. Because that's uh, that's the point of literature, right? Like exactly. we read not because, you know, we want something to be handed to us uh we we read so that we can make something it's it's a creative process and and that's one of my favorite things about it 
But um, I kind of do want to just, you know, note that we're up to about 338. So we got maybe 22 more minutes. And I think that we probably ought to kind of steer away from, you know, pop culture and maybe come back to uh, Web3 and talk some more about some projects that are a little bit closer to home in the space. Because what Web3 does is it gives us this ability um, to all come in and tell our own stories or to come together and tell our story together like we do with Pass the Pin. Um, let's see. I, I, yeah, Hooligan's here. What's up, Hooligan? Uh, shout out to you for showing up and uh, being part of that with Easy for the last couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, what do, you, what do you think, Rihanna? Oh, yes, definitely. I think talking about things closer to home is great. And I also think that um, making certain that um we do let the things that uh impact us impact our spirit uh follow through into the works of the future because those works of the past are good for a reason um their commentaries the things that they make us examine within ourselves that's that's good stuff right there yeah i agree i agree but um so so with regard to you know, like like Web three, like you know, just uh, is is there anything that you got your eye on that you that you're watching out? That's uh, you know, maybe in page, uh, maybe outside of page. Uh, probably probably not your own project because I, I think you've already said everything you wanted to say about that. But you know, if you decide to drop some alpha, you know, I'm, I'm definitely listening. All right. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. Um, I'm really working a lot behind the scenes, um, on that current project, and I and I I can say that I'm completely in love with it. I am so invested and so excited about it. So there's a, there's a couple more words about my current project. <laughs> um, Fair enough. Yeah, but the the biggest thing that I that is just so overwhelmingly positive to me about Web3 are the people and the connection and the community. And every single time I, you know, I jump onto Page Dow or that I'm involved in something um with CD or whatever, you know, it's just so positive and everybody is so encouraging and everybody's like, "How can I help?" What can I do? You know, uh, we have a current um, member in our world whose family is ill. And so we're all just like, oh, I hope it goes okay. Tell us how we can support. What can we do? You know, and so, and you don't necessarily get that in everyday acquaintances. And so I just, I just am so fond of, and will go so far to say, I literally love the people of web three and i'm not so naive to say that there aren't bad actors because there are but um the the people the the connection the communication the community that is being built is just phenomenal and and one more sentence <laughs> it just seems to make the world smaller so like you guys are from various places around the country and so am i we get to have this conversation here and maybe the people in the audience are from different places also. And, but we get to be here together today talking about these things and enjoying this future that is being built. Hey, I totally love that. Yeah. It, it makes the world. Yeah. It's, it's like uh, people are closer, you know, somehow now. I, I don't know. I, I have kind of the same feedback for IRL world. You know, I'm like, okay, the post pandemic has not been like the most fun time to like be in Austin because like, you know, all the things that I used to do here were things where there were thousands of other people and I've just gotten in the habit of never doing that anymore. Right. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, like, yeah, Web3, like, 
definitely is like my bright spot. You know, it's it's the thing that keeps me coming back. It's the most engaging thing in my life right now. You know, and 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 so that's part of what kind of drives my commitment to it for sure. Um, so so that is like a hundred percent right on. CD, I, I know you've been watching everything like a hawk. Uh, what, what's on your eye for uh, for Web three uh, in in the present moment? Well, I got to say, um, I, I'm really loving Edward Carpenter's Metal Librarian Minutes and everything that he's doing in the space in terms of for writers and in terms of um, you know keeping track of publishing and and that. Um, I I know that he just uh, he just launched some new stuff with his book and. Um, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, to be honest at the moment, a lot of what I'm seeing in web three is like continuation of the PFP phenomenon. And I really don't think that there's much of a future in that, you know, I, I tried to do some like napkin math and I think that there's, there's probably like 7 trillion, um, NFTs in the world right now, um, which is a lot. And, you know, most of them are garbage. Most of them are never going to be worth anything. But in that, there, there are a few pieces of gold, you know, and there's those projects like those from, from Yuga Labs, um, also from Huxley. I'm a big believer in Pixel Vault. Like they keep building and building and building. Um, sometimes people would say too much. But, yeah, that's, that's what, what is exciting to me. It's exciting to me that these projects continue to build. And when they listen to their communities, you know, like, like, Here's a good example. Uh, Jenkins the Valet and their book Bored and Dangerous. They started releasing some of the um, some of the illustrations for the book, and the illustrations. You know, the, the book is about apes, right? These like bored apes and mutant apes, and somehow they got it in their heads that apes should have tails. Now, me as as a guy who has a background in anthropology and physical anthropology, it was really disconcerting and annoying to me to see apes with tails. And I wasn't the only one, like the community sort of rose up in arms. And so what Jenkins did was they decided, hey, you know what, we're going to let our community vote. If you own a Jenkins NFT or a bored and dangerous book, you can vote on whether we should have the, the artist remove all the tails from the illustrations of this book that we're about to go to print with. And the community, I'm pretty sure, voted yes. And uh, and so that's what they're going to do. They're going to have the artists like go through and remove all the tales from the apes. Um, I mean, how that would never happen with Simon and Schuster, right? <laughs> right, right, right. So, well, and but, you know, and I know we stopped talking about pop culture, but I did want to mention um, comics because I feel like comic books are this amazing vehicle of pop culture that really, um, really has translated to Web3 in a way that isn't completely understood yet. You know, it's, it's got the art, it's got the lore, it's got the storytelling. And there's also, you know, what little kid hasn't, you know, played that they're Iron Man or Wonder Woman or, or some superhero. And so this whole pop culture thing, um, I believe that comic books are probably the, one of the big ways that publishing and Web3 are going to um, really accelerate. And on that note, uh, if you guys haven't watched The Umbrella Academy, that's a great comic turned to a Netflix show that I think is worth watching. Wow. Okay. Okay. That sounds great. I think that if Stan Lee were around, he would be jumping right into all of this. Hey, I totally agree with that. I've, I've been uh, seeing 
a number of different projects that are coming up and they're launching their own uh, comic books and stuff. Um, and, and I want to help them all. And I, I want to be able to put those uh, books on readme. But I, I think one issue that our mentor actually runs into is that the, the comics can be quite large. Um, and so that makes the, uh, that, that makes it a little bit more of a difficult proposition in terms of storage and stuff. Um, so, so it's going to be really amazing to watch and see what happens in terms of just the innovation, like taking space or taking place throughout the market. And, and I'm so glad that you brought up uh, Jenkins, the valet CD as well, because I, I really, I've, I've been watching that project for a while. Um, we, we actually had Jenkins come to uh, token smart and kind of do like an interview with us and stuff. And, you know, anyway, uh, the board Aid project is really, really cool. And they're launching just like so much different um, technology to, to support their community endeavors um, that, that I think, you know, can, can turn into useful technology for the space. And, and uh, it's just incredible to see um, all the different fronts on which different, different groups are innovating in different ways on different projects and, uh, you know, kind of, kind of getting it all to, together, so to speak. Um, let, let's see, there's a couple of new projects that I've picked up uh, lately that I've been following as well. One is Nifty Lit. They're a, a literature magazine, right? Um, and so what, what we have here is different from what's come before because, you know, we're, we're in Web3 and we're focused on Web3 literature, um, but we're doing some curation. And so there, there's an actual um, literary magazine team that's requesting submissions from writers and then evaluating those submissions and launching them as an NFT that exists on chain and has all the properties of NFTs on chain. And they're, they're partners with PageDAO now, um, more generally. So, so it's just really cool to start to see some of that curation kind of coming online as well. Um, I, I think before too long, we'll have kind of like a whole, you know, industry here and it'll just be like Web3 literature. And then, you know, a few years down the line, it'll just be like, you know, when, when is Web3 literature going to flip non-Web3 literature? And then you'll have, uh, you know, just Web3 stuff and, and that'll be that, you know. So, Dylan, we're uh, we're approaching the um, the end mark. I know there's a, a few things that PageDAO has been working on and um, some announcements and, and things, not the least of which is, you know, your amazing essay that uh, that you gave author credit to the entire PageDAO community for. Um, I wonder if you could share some of that before we before we wrap up. Share as in talk about or share as in uh, maybe read a little snip. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> okay, give me just one second to identify the proper snippet. And I'll, I'll read you guys something. Um, but yeah, okay. So so the essay, the, the idea was that, you know, we wanted to create an essay that would explain sort of where PageDAO fits. Um, it started with a tweet. Alex Wyckoff found a thread. And uh, there, there was an author who had, you know, basically been doing some research around the Simon and Schuster uh, Penguin Random House merger lawsuit, and and so basically the the community more or less re requested a response. And I thought, you know, um, this is just really, really kind of heartening. You know, it, it makes me feel good to be working on this project when the U.S. government is going to be making the case in the pace, uh, pages of the you know, uh, New York times and in the courtroom and on the street, you know? Uh, so, so I felt really bullish about it and I got into it and I started reading about it and sure enough, I mean, the, the pace out concept pretty much stacks up. It, it pretty much checks out. Siri does not understand. 
Um, but basically, I, I just saw that as validation, and I wanted to jump in and create an essay that would explain why I saw that. And then what I did was I released that to, to PageDAO for comment. And man, let me tell you, the, uh, the entire DAO seems to have more or less chipped in. I, I believe uh, a number of different people all had a hand in, in the editing process, and that made it a better essay. Um, and so I thought, you know, it's not exactly fair to like name myself the author of this. I'm kind of just the author that started this, you know, um, and, and why not? Why not just go ahead and give authorship credit to the whole DAO? What are they going to do? Promote it more? Are they going to spread the message further and wider than it would have gone in the first place? It just didn't sound bad to me. So, uh, yeah, hang on just one second. I'll be ready to read something. You're not a shy author, are you, Dylan? I don't, I don't get that from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm just trying not to bite off too much to read all at once here. Um, but okay, so here we go. Authors are an underserved market, as evidenced by the difficulty in getting a book to press experienced by the vast majority of writers. Robert Persig's Zen in the Art of Motor Motorcycle Maintenance is an exception that proves the rule here. After being rejected by dozens of publishers, ZMM went on to become a bestseller. If it had that potential all along, why did so many publishers reject it? And yet if we investigate, we discover that this is a commonplace occurrence. Frank Herbert's Dune was rejected by everybody until Chilton, the auto repair manual company, took a chance on it. Harry Potter was rejected by publishers at first, too. It still went on to become one of the best-selling titles in the history of publishing. Great books that people love get rejected all the time. Wow. Yeah, it just kind of sums up uh, the, the problem that, that forced most of us into the Web3 space to try to innovate. You know, um, just this rejection wall that we face, even if even if it's good <laughs> and, and the amount of time that it takes to, to get anywhere that can help you financially and, and the number of people who uh, don't actually make it financially. Right. Um, I got my start in Web3 publishing of books with a little book called Bring Back Satire that had been on Amazon for over a year um, and had sold about sixty five dollars worth of copies of which I, I think I got maybe 20 bucks or something. And uh, basically what happened was I, I minted it on Ethereum and immediately sold one for 0.1 ETH, which at the time was about uh, $125. And I thought, wow, <laughs> that's twice what this book did in a year on Amazon in one day. That is amazing. That, that should be like a little snippet of a story that you just share out and about. <laughs> right on. Yeah, I, I do uh, frequently. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's kind of uh, kind of where my head's at, you know, just just thinking in terms of, you know, what is it that, that brought us all here, that brought us all together, that caused us all to start working on this project? Um, there, there are other projects that we need to shout out to. Um, first and foremost among these is MetaBuilders. And what, what they do is they actually have partnered with the PageDAO to source content marketing because they do marketing and development services for people that want to build in Web3 but aren't quite, you know, on the, on the technological level to just come in and hammer it all out themselves. Uh, so, so you can get a good price. You can get a good product. Um, you can work with experts. Uh, definitely hit up at Meta underscore Builders um, to, to learn more. Hey, we should also mention that uh, Pass the Pen is still something that happens every Friday. Um, Dylan, you probably know the exact time that that happens. I've been uh, sort of engaged in 
um, a lot of IRL stuff and have missed the past couple, but Pass the Pin is a great chance to come together with community, help write a story and put it together. And Easy in Crypto is one of the uh, one of the great, great hosts. Um, I just absolutely love everything that that guy does. And uh, so don't miss Pass the Pin. And if you're not in PageDAO's Discord, you should get in there. That's where you're going to get all of the inside information, all of the scoop, because PageDAO is more than just a collection of authors coming together. We are our community. And we also have a token, the page token. We have README books. There is so much to PageDAO. If you are not in the PageDAO Discord, you are missing out. So please join the PageDAO Discord, become part of our community, and let us love you, because we will. Yay, yay. I agree. I agree. And, and CD, why don't you talk about your project, The Vagabond Magazine? Well, you know, I, uh, I am super proud of Vagabond Magazine. The last issue was all about Web3 publishing and Web3 writing. Right now, uh, a team of authors, including a few of you here, uh, we are working on a, a Web3 community issue. So the next issue coming out in October is going to be focused on Web3 community and what that means. So it's going to involve things like coming together token-gated content, uh, activities together, you know, you name it. And I'm really excited about where that's going. Vagabond Magazine has been something I've been working on for around 20 years. It started out as, as travel and sort of life and adventures and philosophy. And moving into Web3, I was like, this is what it's been waiting for. And so I transitioned it straight to straight to Web3. And publishing it on PageDAO with Readme Books has been amazing. I mean, you know, the funny thing is, I've always been a guy that that publishes my work to the Internet Archive because I think people should be able to read content and they should be able to take it and do what they want with it. And I can always write more. I'm not worried about that. Sure, I'd love to make some money. But the beautiful thing about Read Me Books and putting Vagabond Magazine on there is that we get hundreds and hundreds of readers and they don't feel obligated to buy it, but they're getting the information for free. They're getting the content for free and anyone can get it. You know, it's not token gated. You can basically go to OpenSea, you can go to IPFS, you can read the entire magazine and then you can put it down. And one of the things that we're innovating is advertising in a Web3 magazine, you know, where you can actually like put ads for your book, for your project, for, you know, for your restaurant, for that matter. And so I'm super excited to see that as a revenue source, as a, a legitimate and ethical revenue source for Web3 projects, you know, to, to create that sort of thing. So thanks for giving me the opportunity to say that, Rihanna. You are so welcome. And I just am so impressed with both of you, Dylan and CD, both. Man, you guys are just rocket fire out here and you're good people and great to work with. And I just am having the best time ever. Like. Seriously, I've collaborated with so many people over the years, but you two are just phenomenal. And so you should send out a little tweet for both of you to say that we were on here today and, and see if we can't get some more followers in your land because you guys are so great. Oh, thank you, Rihanna. I really appreciate the kind words. It, it has been a, a long journey and, and we're, having, we're having even more fun the further into it we get. So it's, it's been great doing this experimental new space uh, format with you both today. And I, I look forward to, to next week. And one thing that we should say before we head out is that if you'd like to be a guest on the next Page Style Show, if you know someone that would be a great guest, if, if you'd like to, you know, come on and talk about a project that will be of interest to people here, we'd love to have you on. Page, the Page Dow Show is for you. I mean, it's for us too, because we want to have a good time and have fun with our friends. 
but it's for you. And we want you to be part of that, to be our friends and part of this, this enjoyment. So make sure that you do. Now, I'm going to log off, but I'm going to say aloha before I do that. And that means not just hello, not just goodbye, but it means love. And we love you. So thank you for joining us today. Aloha, CD. Aloha, CD. And we love you guys a lot. Yes, we do. And, and so um, let us know if you love the new show format. Drop us a comment. Uh, retweet the space here and definitely come back out next week. Um, this, you know, structured programming thing is a little bit new to me, um, but I, I'm sure we're going to pick this up and rock it and it's going to be a lot of fun. So you're going to want to definitely be following along. And on that note, I guess, uh, peace, love and whippee. Thanks for checking out another episode of the ether. That was the page Dow show with Epic Dylan, CD Vagabond and Rihanna Morgan recorded on Monday, September 12th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. They say rapping is the gateway, bringing home great pay. Checking that replay, sing along and we say nobody gives a fuck around my way. I make about three bucks for every thousand plays, so add it up and do the math on that. Financially speaking, why the fuck would anybody want to rap? But in this reality, the money comes from doing shows. But then where's the money go when you can't do the shows? I guess you could rap on Cameo. I've been asking all my friends if I can rap on the patio. Six feet, motherfucker, step the fuck back. Doing a little math. Magic pulling rabbits out the rucksack Not everybody's always in it for the money Looking like another crooked Sunday And I'm working Monday So you know I ain't stressing Left debating great methods Amazed to play Inception The base state less See, even with these huge sums of overall royalties These sums of money that go to the record label Per playback Can seem insultingly small Many rights holders are making around Three quarters of a cent Each time someone listens to one of their tracks Leaving only some portion of that For the actual artist Pennies, pennies per play. Until they can figure out how to turn a profit, their future will always be in question. But for now, investors see enough potential to continue to fund Pennies, 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 pennies. Another day, another lesson. Living in the eighth dimension might be worth a little mention. Living in the Great Depression, got a real regal feel. Reeling in another sucker fish, out to make a deal just to make a motherfucker wish. Ah shit, now you only got two left. You know what I wish? We didn't have any loose ends. You know what I miss? Listening to excuses. Now we're on the fence like we forgot how to choose that's what happens when people don't know what's true in the dark eating bullshit up like a mushroom in the lunchroom just trying to laugh it off meanwhile foaming at the mouth like a rabbit dog like a fake mate and called at the zoo it's looking like the view is getting disappointed too i'm working on the new shit trying to produce it's what i'm willing to go through when i'm making my music